0: Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. When we began talking about this last week, in trying to help people get started down this road. A good question might be, what can I do with my time that can make a difference or that's really important? What can I do with my time that's really important? The reality is that we all have the same amount of time. In any given day, any given month, any given year. We all have the same amount of time. We may not have the same amount of lifetime, but we all have the same amount of time on any given day. And many times when it comes to us thinking about doing things that are important, sometimes we might think, you know, I, I don't know if I have what. Well, I don't know if I have time. So if you'll be bold enough today to to even ask the Lord to start showing you your kingdom purpose, and that's what we're really talking about, your kingdom purpose. As you ask God to show you what you could start doing with your time that's really important, one of three things is going to happen, if not all three. First of all, There's going to have to be the addition of something in your life. Passion, and one of the things that we're going to learn in this series, is that what we're praying to happen is that there will be a a ministry opportunity or need that meets our passion and our gifting. A ministry opportunity or need that meets our passion and gifting. And so many times, that's what it takes for people to discover their kingdom purpose. A ministry, need, or opportunity that meets, or or I'm confronted with, that meets my passion and my gifting. But yet, passion is not something that precedes action. Actually, passion follows action because you will never know what you're passionate about until you do what? Until you try it. Can you think of something today in your life that you really have a passion about, that you really enjoy doing, but you haven't always done that? There was a point in time that you tried something new. You started a new venture. You you went out on a limb you might have even said hey i'm willing to serve in this area or that area i can remember as a young man at the age of 13 i had never done anything in my life like what i do now speak in front of people does anyone just even get just get hives right now thinking about having to stand in front of a group of people and talk i still get very very nervous and so dependent upon the power and strength of the Lord every time I'm here. But I can remember there was a time in my life I wasn't passionate about this. And the reason I wasn't passionate about it is because I had never done it and I didn't even know if I would like it or would find fulfillment in my life. So as you start asking God, show me what I can do with my time. It's really important. It means there's going to be an addition of something in your life, and guess what? Once you try that, you might discover a passion that meets your gift, and then the next thing is looking for that ministry opportunity or need. How many of you teach or serve or do something in your life today that there was a time you did not do, but now you've discovered you're very passionate about that thing? It's gonna require addition. Now, for some of us, and what's hard for some of us, is getting stuff off our plate. Do any of you ever struggle with saying no? Yes, I love that. Any of you have a hard time with saying no, you say yes. Um, All right, let's practice today. We're going to help you out. I told you this is going to be very, very practical. On the count of three, I want you to say no. One, two, three. Uh, See, you can say no. There's going to have to be maybe some subtraction in your life. And that means that you start really seriously taking better control of your life so that you can find your kingdom purpose and have God's divine activity in your life. Your time is already filled with something. You might have to start saying no to some things, addition, subtraction. But most definitely, there's going to have to be an exchange because you can't do everything. And you cannot increase the amount of time that you have on any given day. So there's going to have to be some exchange, addition, subtraction, and exchange happening in our lives. We asked the question last week, is purpose something you find or is it something that finds you? Is it something that you go out and just try to seek and hope to find and you're looking for that one thing, that one thing that you're good at, that one thing that you can be passionate about? For some people, when they think about trying to find a, a, a date or a spouse, rather, and they think that, oh, my gosh, I've got to find that one person that God has for me on this planet, well, guess what? What if they live in Zimbabwe today? There's going to be some travel in your forecast, right? But could it be that there might be several people that God might look upon in your life and go, you know what? Yep, there's a good possibility there. There's a good possibility there. There's a good possibility there. Not all at once, amen? Not all at once, right? But there might be several people on this planet that might be a really, really, really good fit for you. It takes the pressure off that you can just walk with God and and trust Him and and just say, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not all on me to find the one. And could it be that there might be several things that God could really be glorified in and use you in your life to do? The other question that we asked about this and that I going to propose to you today is that purpose may not be something that can be completed today. It may not be like, okay, well, I found my, my kingdom purpose, and so today I'm going to do it, and it's going to be completed today. It might not be something you can find tomorrow and complete tomorrow or find next week or next month, and you find it and you do it, and you say, well, there you have it. I did it. I fulfilled my kingdom. And I really believe there are some people, maybe in their older years, who get to a point and they believe the lie that God is done with them. They have fulfilled their kingdom purpose and now it's time to let somebody else do this and I'm going to check out. And we wonder why depression and a sense of abandonment and loneliness and a sense of lack of purpose comes to so many as they get older in life. Could it be that your purpose is not something that you just discovered today, you fulfill tomorrow, but could it be that even right now in your life, as you seek to try to trust God in your life, your purpose is something that you're growing into. In Luke chapter 2, I think Jesus gives us a pretty good example of this. I would dare say that Jesus would probably be a pretty good um, example to follow. Can I get an amen? That Jesus would be a pretty good example to follow. And what you might find is that Jesus, throughout the course of his life, doesn't seem to have this, this knowledge or this sense of arrival that as he goes through his life, that everything just came to him in Bethlehem. Like the child in the manger just knew it all for his own life. Scripture even teaches, like what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, that Christ, he gave up much to come here to the incarnation. It's called the kenosis of Christ. He emptied himself of a divine prerogative to be in charge, and in control. It's almost like he lays his deity to the side, but he doesn't forsake it. But yet throughout the course of his life, he himself was in a state of growth. You say, Brother Allen, how do we know that? I think scripture shows us that. It's in Luke chapter 2, and you're going to see a picture of the Christ as He goes throughout His life, and He is on the road of fulfilling His kingdom purpose. You could really start as early as around verse 34. We'll start in verse 30, but around verse 34... The scripture says, and, and we won't have this on the screen, but just listen. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed. Say that word with me again, appointed. Behold, this child is appointed. Appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It was prophesied over the Christ that he was going to make a difference among his people. And it started with his parents. His kingdom purpose started with his parents. And an understanding that the parents had of his Life. How many of you, as parents today, have already started praying for your child's kingdom purpose? Sir, so praying God, as I raise my son, as I raise my daughter, use me to point them toward your purpose in their life. Might we, from birth and infancy to adolescence and the teenagers, might we channel and guide them, not God, toward what we would have for them or we would want for them or what might even be good in our culture, but, God, might we have a sense of, of a divine kingdom purpose in their life? Because, after all, wouldn't it be the most sad thing for your children to go through life and not have a sense of what God... Might want to do in and through them. Jesus really began with his parents. The prophecy came to his mother and his father. Then you come to Luke chapter 2, and we'll do verse 39 and then 40. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. Nazareth is where Christ grew up as a child. And, and we don't know much at all from the Scripture about the childhood of Christ. There's not many detail, uh, much detail about life in Nazareth. Very little is said about Him in Nazareth as a child. But notice what the Scripture does say. This is verse 40, and I believe we have this for you this morning. But here's what he did. The child continued to do what? The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. What an encouraging thought today. That Jesus, in his early childhood of life, was in a state of growth in his kingdom purpose. He grew it, became stronger. He increased in what? He increased in wisdom. And the grace of God was upon his life. How encouraging to know that if that was needed in the life of Christ, how much even more so might be needed in our life, that we might be in a state of growth growing and increasing in wisdom and favor with God and all men, as some translations read. Jesus was in a state of growth. And guess what? You and I today, wherever we are in life, we are in a state of growth as well. Then, this very interesting thing happens in the life of Christ. He and his family take an annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. As we know, the Israelites would return to their homeland. They would observe the Passover celebration. And the scripture tells us that Jesus, at the age of about 12 years, would go with his parents to the feast of the Passover in Jerusalem. Now, while they were there, doing what they would do to worship, sacrifice. Many times they would travel together with other people from their area, like all the people of Nazareth with, hey, we're going to Passover. It's that time of the year. Hey, let's all go together. And they would caravan together and they would go to the great city of Jerusalem. Well, it comes time for them to leave. Caravan kind of loads up. They get ready to head back to their homeland and guess who they cannot find. You know the story. They can't find Jesus. And you're thinking, well, if Jesus as a 12-year-old got lost, there's hope for mine, right? And they can't find Jesus. They're looking for him. Verse 46 tells us that they had even gone as far to leave Jerusalem and start looking around and they're like, hey, I can't we can't find Jesus. So they go back to Jerusalem to try to find him. Too bad they weren't like at a mall and they had an intercom system and they could just call out and say, Well, Jesus, would you please come to the front? I'll never forget when I was a kid. I used to love and play hide and go seek uh, from my mom when she'd go uh clothes shopping. Um I would get in those racks that were uh, circular. Y'all does this bring back memories to any of y'all? And I would get inside of those racks that were round, you know. I'd get inside the middle of them, and I'd get in there and hide. And I'd I'd tell Mama every time she want to go clothes shopping, Mama, I I get a headache. I go in there and I get rid of my headache. (laughs) I'd make up all kinds of stuff, right? One day, I decided to literally hide in Kmart, and I am I am M I A. I mean, I have run to the other side of the store. Uh, I was only 16 at this time. No, I'm just kidding. I was about (laughs) seven or eight. And I'm hiding, and I'm thinking, this is really awesome, until this lady comes over the intercom system. Would Alan Miller, please come to the front of the store now, you know? And I, oh, my gosh, I mean, this is like being summoned by by God himself, right? You know, the God of Kmart is calling me, you know? And so here I go to the front, and, and Mom was there, and she gave me a lollipop and said, good boy. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> So you can imagine the panic, right, of Jesus' parents looking for him in Jerusalem. The scripture tells us that for three days, he is M-I-A. Verse 46, and it came about after three days. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. How old is he? He's about 12. Who had been grooming him throughout the course of his life for his kingdom purpose. His parents. So at the age of 12, this should not surprise us that he has a sense in his life about what he's about. Because his parents had guided him in that throughout his life. And he grew in that. And there he is in the temple. There they're amazed at his understanding, his answers, his questions. In verse 48, the scripture says, when they saw him, and you may not have this on the screen, but just listen. When they saw him, they were astonished and his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, in verse 49, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? What's really interesting about this statement of Jesus is it seems like he's surprised that they were surprised. It's almost like, okay, y'all kind of known for a long time now that God has a plan for my life. Should it surprise you at this point in time that while I'm in Jerusalem once a year, perhaps, and I have this opportunity to grow and to learn and to ask questions. Why? Because he's growing into his purpose. Now, some might say he might not have been very sensitive to his parents out looking for him for three days. You can debate that. But it seems to surprise him that they were surprised. But this statement that he says is really interesting because if you're looking in your study Bible this morning, it's in that verse where he says, did you not know or did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? If you look in your study Bibles today, the word house is, trend, is, is italicized. In many of your study Bibles, it's italicized, which means this, which means that the editors added that word for clarity and understanding. That the word in the actual Greek or the statement that Jesus makes is somewhat vague to specifics. Because in the literal translation of what Jesus says, this is what it says. Did you not know that, that I had to be in the things that are my Father's? Did you not know that I had to be in the things that that are my father's. It reads so much more fluent just to say, in my father's house, or in my father's things, but the essence of what Jesus is saying is it's not so much that I had to be here in the temple at this point in time, but the issue is that whatever the things are of my father's, Those are the things that interest me. And could it be that as we seek to discover, to grow in our kingdom purpose, that we realize that as it started with Jesus at his birth, it starts with us at our new birth. That when you are born again, as a believer in Jesus, and you receive His Spirit into your life, that as being a new creation in Christ, you at that point in time are destined to fulfill your kingdom purpose. And as you go about your life and you're thinking, you're thinking, what can I do with my time that's really important? You ask the question, where is God moving and working? One of the great studies years ago, I think it's been revised. I have a friend who's leading a couple of young men through this study. And listen to this. Two young men in their early 20s. They're searching to know the heart of God. He's been taking time with them on Sunday afternoons, walking through Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God. And you all remember that study back in the early 90s, late 80s, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby? One of the first principles is to do what? It is to look and to see where God is working, and you go and you join Him there. That's essentially what Jesus was doing in his life. Where is my father's stuff? And that's where you will find me, which leads us to a very another very important principle. It's something that Jesus said. He said, where you find your heart, you will find your what? Your treasure. And you can flip that whole thing. Where you find your heart, you will find your treasure. You can flip the whole thing. Where you find your treasure, you find your heart. So what do you treasure? I mean, it's almost a way of saying that you know where you put your your value, where you place your priority, how you spend your time, your resources, your money. Wherever that is, you're going to find your heart. And it's hard to deny the two. Is that not right? It's hard to deny that that works both ways. Where you find your heart, you'll find your treasure. Where you find your treasure, you will find your heart. And I want to suggest to you today that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not have to manufacture a heart for the things of God. You already have a heart for the things of God. It's who you are. When we talk about kingdom purpose, it's what He's designed and created you for. It's the design of your heart. And what I want to suggest to you today is that until you are pursuing the passion of your heart to know the heart of God as a believer, you're never going to be fulfilled in this life. No matter what it is. What it looks like in your vocation or what it might look like in your ministry of service in the body of Christ. Did you not know I had to be about the things that are my father's. Now the scripture says in verse 50, and you may not have this. They did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Almost like, okay, Jesus, my parents, have, they don't really understand. They haven't really figured this out. I'm going to go with them to Nazareth. He continued in subjection to them as all good boys would do. Can I get an amen? He continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then I want you to see verse 52. Because this is one of the very last statements in Scripture that you have about Jesus as a young man. Because the next thing that you have in Luke's gospel and the other gospels is the next thing you have is his emergence as a 30, approximate 30-year-old 30 man who's getting baptized by John the Baptist, and he's going to begin his public ministry. So this is the last statement that we have about him at the age of 12, and there's a lot we don't know from 12 to about 30, but there is certain one thing we know for certain. It's in verse 52. And Jesus kept, he kept, he kept, he kept. He kept increasing in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. In a perpetual state of growth. Growing into his purpose. So, what about you? Could it be that today maybe you you've been stressing a little bit about, hey, what am I supposed to do? And what is my purpose? And, and as important as it is to, to come to a place of fulfillment in your life and to feel like God, God is using my life. But could it be that what God has been doing in your life? through the things that have been good that you've gone through, the things that you've been challenged with that you've gone through. And I would say this too, as we begin to wrap up here, I would say this too. Probably the times of the greatest discovery of my life in regards to what God was doing was not during those times that my life looked really, really great or good. But so many times, the greatest revelations that God made to me in my life of what He was doing in my life was during those times that life really stunk. It was through the adversity. It was through the trials. It was through the, the difficulties. It was through the pain that He forged in me a sense of what He was doing in my life. So many times when we go through hard times, and maybe you're going through a hard time in your family today. I mean, is there anybody here who's just really thinking, you know, I don't know if I can handle any more on my plate. Anyone? I just, I mean, I'm just being honest. I don't know if I could really take another setback, another challenge, or another difficulty. Is there anybody here who, I'll, I'm raising your hand for you. I'll raise it for you. Don't be discouraged. This might be through this pain and this challenge how he's growing you the most for what he will reveal to you in time. This growth process is so awesome. This is so possible. This growth process in the life of Christ would take him to a garden called Gethsemane. And in that garden of Gethsemane, he was confronted with the most painful choice of his life. Scripture says that he was under such duress and stress that he sweat drops of blood. But I want you to know that through all that he had been through in his life, this growing into purpose, this growth process increasing in strength and favor and grace with God and men, What that did in his life led him to a garden where in that garden there was no force of hell that was going to move him from his purpose. Are you kidding me? There was no force of hell that could move him from his purpose. To walk out of there to go to the cross and to willingly give up his life. Nobody killed him. Your sin did not kill Jesus. And the Jews didn't kill him. And the Roman soldiers didn't kill him. Because you can't kill the Son of God. And the Scripture will tell you that. Scripture says that he willingly did what? He willingly gave up his life. Make no mistake about it. Nobody killed Jesus. He willingly gave up his life. Because he's crazy about you. He's crazy about us. But when you think about this process and this growth of his life, All that he went through, some of his greatest pain was even ahead of him in the garden. It led him to a point where he was absolutely immovable and unshakable for what God had purposed and destined for him in his life. And could it be, could it be that your greatest days have yet to come? I believe that with all my heart. As tired as I get. As worn down as I get, as many days as I think back and I go, God, I have been doing this for 25 years of my life. And I started when I was three, by the way. I'm really a young man. I'm 28. All these years, God, of ministry. I mean, some days I'm like, where's the first door out? how God steps in and he encourages me and says you know the reality is your best days might be ahead so hang on your best days are most likely ahead of you ahead of you and everything God has allowed you to go through over the past months or years is because he's forging in you a kingdom purpose that you will be unmovable Unshakable when you're confronted with that opportunity to do what he's called you to do in your life. So don't give up. Don't be quitting. And don't be discouraged. If Jesus needed to grow, that which he suffered, then it's okay for us to grow too. Amen? Amen? with us this morning. Let's just Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church sermon podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family and leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening and God bless.